increased social inclusion, more opportunities for youth, and a level playing field for athletes are three of the primary tenets that Paralympics presidential candidate Patrick Jarvis hopes to achieve if elected to lead the International Paralympic Committee. Thank you for joining us on the latest edition of ATR Radio. I'm Kevin Nutley. Patrick Jarvis joins us today while in Abu Dhabi, UAE, for the IPC General Assembly ahead of the election on September 8th. Patrick says his main mission as IPC president will be to leave nobody behind. So, Patrick, what got you first involved in the Paralympic movement? Kind of an interesting story in that I had uh, adapted the prosthetic arm I wore by taping a bottle opener to it. And a gentleman came into uh, the restaurant I was working in, saw the bottle opener on my hook, and started talking about Paralympic sport. Hmm. And uh, literally, it was an alpine coach interested, and uh, he sold me on getting involved in a movement that I kind of resisted at first, but uh, once he convinced me in the heart uh, of what it was all about. I showed up a ski training session and have never looked back. I was just uh, pulled in by the whole spirit of the movement. Excellent. And what what have been your um, experiences with the Paralympic movement as um, in leadership positions? Pretty broad-based in terms of after I'd retired as an athlete. Uh, I struck me that they talked about being athlete-centered, but the mission staff and that I had seen, nobody was ever a former athlete. Hmm. So I pushed pretty hard. So my first real leadership position was when I pushed hard enough to say that you need to take a look at how you man the staff. I was uh, on the mission staff to be the World Championships in 1994. Then it pretty quickly progressed in terms of uh, 96, I was mission staff at the Games in Atlanta, then was named the chef de mission in 1998. Coming home from the Paralympic Winter Games in Japan in Nagano, uh, at one of our supporters, our huge supporters of the Canadian government, talked about what kind of dire straits we were in at the Canadian Paralympic Committee. And I said, you know what, this is a challenge that I'm willing to accept because I just wanted to ensure that our team got to Sydney. Became president of the Canadian Paralympic Committee when we were on the verge of bankruptcy, but the good and short end of that story is... We raised over $2 million in a very short time frame and got the entire team to Sydney in 2000, where we finished third overall. Wow. From that point, it just uh, it progressed in terms of stayed as president for seven years and then ran for the International Governing Board back in '05. And when I was elected, because of my thoughts around conflict of interest, I stepped down as president to the Canadian Paralympic Committee so I could fully uh, dedicate myself to the International Paralympic Committee on the Governing Board. And you believe these leadership roles have really prepared you for the IPC president and that challenge? Certainly on that side. Another, a number of other items though mm-hmm. as well. Like currently I work as an executive director for a national sport federation, Canada Snowboard, but so I've got that sports side. Been involved in a number of, uh, corporate and university boards, which has also prepared me on the governance side. More specifically to the Paralympic element, I was on the 2012 Evaluation Commission, uh, which then morphed into the 2012 Coordination Commission, which of course ended up for the 2012 London Games. That seven-year journey certainly prepared me on the element of the overall scope and scale of preparing for a Games. And interestingly enough, right at the same time in Vancouver, we were preparing to host the 2010 Vancouver uh, Winter Games. I was on that board for eight years. So that was even more from the governance side and the overall oversight that we were providing. So I think those two experiences certainly also complemented my prior experience in terms of leadership roles I'd had. Mm -hmm. And did you go over these things in your presentation to the IPC Assembly yesterday, and how'd that go? 
I tried to touch on it in terms of, you know, you're trying to sell your expertise, your mm-hmm. confidence on the two sides. And, and that's how I approached it, uh, Kevin, is I took a look at really there's the confidence, which is all about your experience and the results, and then on the character side. So I had a blended message uh, with the General Assembly that I was addressing yesterday. Started off with so my background, my journey, which included the story with the bottle opener taped to my hook, uh, just that it was quite serendipitous that I even got involved with the Paralympics. But then once in, became very involved. And I shared that aspect of the, the journey that I had been through, going from the president of, a, of an NPC, right, between Games Coordination Commission. And that's where I talked about the confidence side, but I also talked about the character side. And I think that was my my boldest statement was that, you know, our organization in terms of positioning internationally, that there certainly can be no doubt about not only the integrity of our competition, that athletes toe the line when they or when they approach the line or in the gates or standing on the blocks at the pool, that they have absolute confidence in the best possible level playing field. On the other side, I said certainly our organization and the leadership had to reflect that and that it was all about the trust bank. That with our partners, uh, we needed leadership that was able to nurture and develop that trust because from a foundation of trust with our partners, you're able to withstand any kind of crises or any type of differences that may emerge. That was uh, that was my message. It was 15 minutes. Again, took them through the journey and then finished off that really this is who I am. This is what I about or what I'm about, and everything that I have to offer is that everything I'm putting on the table is for them to serve the membership. Right. And do you feel that the message was well received? And do you think you have a lot of support going into the, into the election tomorrow? I certainly received a lot of complimentary comments, but also gratitude that. In my actual address or the, the speech presentation to the assembly, I did give practical examples within each of the five pillars of my campaign platform. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of those messages yesterday from all the candidates about, you know, generalities of what we need to do in terms of partnerships, relationships, athlete-centered, uh, increased capacity. The feedback I got that was, it came from the hearts that there was a strong emotional aspect to it of just declaring about who I am. But many that looked at the pragmatic aspect very much appreciated the fact I provided four or five very concrete examples of what I would do if I was elected president. Mm -hmm. I think that message was well received, and I think it uh, certainly enhanced the position as what I would call cautious optimism going into tomorrow. It's always good to have. (laughs) Um, And what would you say is the, the biggest challenge facing the Paralympic movement today? If you took a look at it from the athlete's perspective, again, it's the, the that level playing field of the classification and the anti-doping. That, that's a common theme. But if I was to step back on a much more holistic, is the continued growth, but also the outreach to our member nations that are from called smaller, poorer developing organizations or developing nations. That's the one that is the challenge is that we could slide into that where there's only 10 or 11 nations that dominate the medals table. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all due respect, the advanced Western nations, another gold medal at the Paralympic Games is probably not going to move the dial in terms of interest awareness or let alone government support. Mm-hmm. Whereas you take a look at a, you know, a poor nation from, you know, any one of the regions, Asia, Africa, Central, um, Central America, that a gold medal for them or even a medal or even having an athlete compete moves the dial on both the aspect of funding opportunities, but also social awareness. Mm-hmm. 
to me, that is on a holistic basis a very significant challenge for us is that we leave nobody behind, that we are truly inclusive because that's what we espouse, that's what we say we stand for. So if we're truly all about inclusion and uh, making sure that the appropriate groups are engaged and involved, the challenge for us is how do we ensure that every nation has the opportunity for young athletes with disabilities to pursue their Paralympic dream. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, what would you say is the biggest opportunity right now for the Paralympic movement? Biggest opportunity is alignment with either NGOs or sponsors on a values basis. Mm-hmm. Not that it's just going to be about sponsorship and dollars, but really finding organizations, uh, corporate organizations and NGOs that are really looking to make a significant difference and impact in the world. And I think that that's a huge opportunity on the philanthropic side with the Agitos Foundation, that if we could have major sponsors activate. And the message is that perhaps the most vulnerable population in many of these countries, those individuals with disabilities, some of them significant disabilities, that sport becomes a beacon of hope and it becomes a beacon of inspiration. And I think that the Paralympic movement can be that essence of humanity. And that, to me, is the greatest opportunity. Uh, I talk about sport first, but that is ultimately not, it's a means to an end of the aspiration of really making the world a better place for individuals that are often incredibly marginalized, uh, often incredibly discriminated against. So the opportunity is convincing corporations and governments that that's where they can make a significant impact is providing the ability or the opportunity for every child to play, and every child to play includes those with a disability. And you mentioned that, you know, athlete-centered focus, having clean sport is one of the biggest issues for you. The uh, IPC Assembly this week, um, there's an update on the Russian participation in the Paralympics, and, you know, there's still seven um, reinstatement conditions that Russia needs to meet, but neutral athletes can, can try to qualify for Pyeongchang. Do you believe that Russia can finally accept the findings in the McLaren report and have enough incentive to be able to compete in Pyeongchang and make the relevant changes? I would start with, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly hope that they can meet those criteria. Mm-hmm. The process is fully engaged, and I have incredible faith in the task force, very committed, talented, knowledgeable people. It's going to be the question of meeting those criteria for being reinstated. And again, I hope they do. That uh, there's some very key elements that they must fulfill, and that, to me, in many ways, falls on their shoulders. And then when I say their shoulders, that's the Russian Paralympic Committee. Mm-hmm. I think that the decision to let them compete as neutral in qualification events was certainly a, an olive branch, but, you know, an extension of good faith or in good faith that the athletes at least can qualify so that if they are reinstated in time, then they could compete. It was. It took a little pressure off for some of those individual athletes to say, you know, if I am clean, if Russia's reinstated, I wouldn't even be able to compete in 2018 because the qualifications are right, closed. Right. And with the election tomorrow, if you happen not to win, would you still be involved in the Paralympic movement and in, in what capacity? I think if you were to cut me, I still bleed Paralympics. So in some capacity, I would uh, probably withdraw a little bit from the international for a while to, in essence, for the new governing board, the new leadership uh, to move forward with their agendas. I'm still certainly well connected to the Canadian experience. And uh, if there was an opportunity to contribute in a meaningful way, would certainly entertain that. 
There's other aspects. I'm, uh, I do have a sport federation I'm running. I do, or am engaged in the Calgary Bid Exploration, which has moved into a new phase looking at the 2026 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games. There's lots of opportunities, but at the bottom line, I will always be uh, passionate. And uh, when I say passionate in the true sense of uh, the old Greek word meaning sacrifice, that I am certainly willing to give up things in life to help move and advance the Paralympic movement. It would just be a little time to redefine where I can make the most impact. Mm-hmm. And any other message you want to leave with the uh, voting members before the election tomorrow? What I'd leave with the voting members is that I would certainly hope and I would implore them if they were to hear the message that when they go to push the button to vote, not only for the president and the vice president, but for the 10 members at large that they will select, that they put aside any kind of uh, perceived loyalties, uh, groupings, vote block or block votes, and really take a look at what best serves our movement to move forward. And it really is in their hands to select that team that for the short term, the next four years, will carry forward and build on the legacy of uh, Sir Philip Craven and his team prior. That's what I would really ask them to pause, think about who on that team is going to help move our collective movement forward. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with talk with us, and uh, good luck in the election tomorrow. Much appreciated, Kevin. Thank you for uh, connecting with me. That was IPC presidential candidate Patrick Jarvis describing his goals for the Paralympic movement and the values he would bring as its potential leader. Thank you for joining us on the latest edition of ATR Radio. I'm Kevin Nutley. Have a good one.